your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So then, many opponents of the government's decision to nationalise history textbooks for secondary education, starting in a couple of years, have been citing one particular report. And that was written by our next guest, special reporter in the field of cultural rights at the United Nations, Farida Shahid. Thank you very much for joining us. Good morning. Uh, what is the big problem with state-authored history textbooks? We've been hearing a lot of the criticisms. What did you find? Well, let me start by saying that in every uh, country mission that I have gone to as a special rapporteur, I have found people striving to retrieve their history, to make it known, to document it, to get it acknowledged by other people, or contesting the official history that is taught. So, and it doesn't matter where you are. This can be Austria, this can be Bosnia-Herzegovina, this can be Botswana or it can be St. Vincent and the Grenadines and anywhere else. There is an urge for people to be recognized. And I think history is a very fundamental part of how we think of ourselves as collective groups. So the problem with uh, you know one interpretation of history, to me, has been problematic from the field listening to people's views many people's perspective history can you can have the same facts exactly the same past experience but a completely different experience of what that history meant to you and that is one of the, the big challenges which is for all societies in fact because mm -hmm. you have the post-conflict situations and divided societies but all societies in one way or the other are divided and when you have a singular narrative uh, of what happened in the past, that leads to a number of different problems. It excludes the history and the context of many of the people who live within a country. It also uh, tends to give a view that this is the reality and everyone's reality, other realities are not taken into account. Mm -hmm. When the conflict is very severe, such as in Bosnia-Herzegovina, for instance, when I went there, people don't believe the official history because it does not reflect what they have heard in their families, in their communities, in you know social gatherings, etc. So there's a danger that people will not take it very seriously. Yes. So. So a country like Iceland also has state-authored history textbooks, though, and, and there it would appear that the history is less contentious and there isn't the same fervor to get the government out of uh, writing the past? I mean, it, does it very much depend on the nature of one's recent history? I think partly it may reflect uh, recent history and how that history is considered by the people living there, but it may also reflect um, the procedures that have been put into place to ensure that the history that is being taught um, has a perspective which, to me, history needs to be fostering critical thinking um, and an analytical mind, the ability to think creatively and to think about what it is so that mm. we understand not just what happened in the past, but to help us understand the situations we are confronted with today. I keep saying the history 
is important, not for what happened in the past, but how we view that past yes. in terms of our current realities and in terms of the future. And to me, that's the crux of the matter. So it's a question of how the history books are written. Is it by independent um, researchers who are accredited? Is there debate? Is there a possibility for debate on what should be included and how it should be included? These are some of the key issues that I have picked up in my report, yes. and I have recommended that there be independent uh, textbooks um, which are accredited and that you should have more than one source. I have not looked at the case. Of, I would still encourage them to have more than one accredited textbook. Mm. Asked around about that issue and apparently, you know, the, the history is so well documented in that particular country and the population size is relatively small so it, it, it's been yeah. less challenging to gather together the history um, to a certain extent. I mean, if we look at the Korean example, we are supposedly a democracy and in in such a political backdrop, it, it should be possible, in theory again, to trust an independent government hired panel uh, as much as private textbook publishers and maybe that point was highlighted by the fact that the eight previous uh, textbook publishers that we've been using seven of them were accused of being left-leaning and one of them was accused of being overly conservative so it seems like we got into just as much of a mess regardless of the fact that they were private publishers well, I think the the uh, real question is not whether it's p private publishers or state publishers. It's a question of which textbooks are, are going to be used and does the teacher have sufficient uh, freedom to actually introduce things which are outside the text or supplementary materials. Is there a variety of textbooks which is uh, then would have the multi-perspective? My point has been that we need to change narratives of the past into multi-voice narratives, not singular narratives. Mm, mm. And there is a tendency amongst nation states, since that is the configuration in which we all operate, to push an identity of a national, a, a national identity. Now, when you have diversity within the country, that national identity usually privileges some over others mm. in that context. And I think that's where the cultural rights come into it, and children especially, should be able to develop their own critical thinking about what was the past so that they can decide for themselves what their present and future should look like and do we, and so that we don't repeat the mistakes uh, of history, but so that we have a under, better understanding of what may have happened in the past. How do you feel about the fact that you're being cited in this fierce debate? I am always delighted that if my reports uh, are picked up in the local context and are taken forward. So, I'm, one, I'm very happy that the report is being read. Um, secondly, as long as it is really reflecting what I have said, which is to review the situation to ensure independence and to ensure critical thinking, then I have no problem with it. Hmm. As I said to me, talking to uh, practitioners and history teachers and historians, um, I, that's the conclusion I've come to. That's what they all say. We need to rethink how we have taught history if we are to promote human rights. Yes. Do remember that my perspective is from the perspective of human rights, and particularly the rights, cultural rights as human rights. Yeah, and, and again, we appreciate your viewpoint. I'm sure many of us think that it makes perfect sense. It's something that... Uh, 
anyone can see with common sense, learning history through sources seems to be uh, a better way forward than just a very basic textbook that's just telling you one point of view. But but it doesn't have to be that way, even with the state behind it, uh, as you kind of also suggested before. Uh, the fact that the government here has now made this decision and we're moving forward, do you have any special advice based on what you've uh, said already that would still allow a favourable outcome? Well, I think then what needs to happen is uh, to have panels for review. Who is going to be writing the textbooks? Who is going to be approving those, those textbooks? And I hope that there's more than one becomes critical. And I think that's where the focus needs to be. That is it fair? Are the people there professionally, uh, professionally, not on, in terms of their position? They may have different positions. Mm. But historians do have a particular pedagogical approach to what is history and what is memory. Yes. Um, and there's a difference. So there, I think there, it would be good to have a debate uh, amongst uh, groups who are concerned about this. Um, the eventual writing must be done by historians and the committees who approve those who are doing the writing as well as the final textbooks yes. must be transparent and it must be a procedure where people can contribute their opinions to. But the fact that the president's own father was an integral part of one of the most contentious periods in recent history, does that automatically signal a red flag for you? I think one of the things which is often left out from history teaching as a whole and which I think is very crucial to do is to ensure that, that children uh, and students actually are exposed to original texts. So not just an interpretation of what happened, but in exposing them, uh, having them interact with the actual documents of the past. And that's what history teachers have also said. That, mm -hmm. And there, it makes it more likely. Um, uh, the children are interested in what the original text may have to say. Yes. And I think that's a way of moving forward. Yes. And I th as I said, to me, the, the main thing really has to be, is the whole process of history teaching going to foster critical thinking, um, not just about the past, but about the present and where we want to go? Yeah. And if the debate is there and there's sufficient transparency, then actually whether it's printed by the state or whether it's printed by independent uh, commercial publishers to me is not the point. The point is, do you have that transparency? Do you have the debates that are necessary? Do you have a multi-voice perspective that yeah. needs to come through? And how that might look for our students is to look at the hard data of rapid economic growth in this country, but to also then ask themselves why one president was in power for so long, for example, and to be able to spur a, a natural conversation. So much pressure there is on our parents and our teachers and on various uh, people close to our children in this country to, to ensure that process. I mean, it's yeah. obviously not just in the government's hands, as you've suggested as well. Um, we've got to leave it there. Ms. Farida Shahid, it's been a pleasure having you on the line. We wish you all the best with your future you, work. And I wish Korea the best for the new project, whether it is, and I hope there's a lively debate about it, and you come to some way of the multi-narrative, multi-voice narrative. Thank you. Indeed it is. Uh, hopefully that case that we can look forward to. Ms. Farida Shahid, Special Rapporteur in Cultural Rights at the United Nations. Uh, having heard that, I mean... How do we feel? Are we confident that the government can ensure that? Having heard these voices of advice, you can email us your thoughts and opinions, efmthismorning at gmail.com.